What's up, guys? My name's Kiara McKinney, and welcome back to the Spin Cycle Podcast. Today, we've got kind of a mixed bag of things to talk about, but I think we're definitely going to dive into some child stars and how fame can really impact kids at a young age. But there's some other things we've got to talk about. And first, because I failed to talk about this last week, I really want to bring up Beyonce's Renaissance, which came out on July 29th, 2022. It's a perfectly blended 15 songs, starting with I'm That Girl and ending with Summer Renaissance. I have a lot of favorites on this album. Um, One of them is Summer Renaissance, actually. I also love Pure Honey. And honestly, all of them, the only one that I can't really get into, honestly, is all up in your mind. (laughs) I don't know why, but like, for some reason, it makes me like dissociate. It's like trance like to me. And it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I don't like the way it makes me feel inside. Anyway, Renaissance scored the largest streaming week for an album by a female artist this year with 179.06 million. The debut figure for Renaissance was 332,000 equivalent album units, which was second to Harry Styles' 521,000 units back in June. Close behind that from this year was BTS's release of Proof, which debuted with 314,000 units. We talked about this album a few episodes ago when it was first announced, revealed via Instagram, and we talked about how it's her first real album since Lemonade, which was six years ago. That debuted at 653,000 units, but Lemonade arrived with a video album, so it boosted interest. We're still waiting on any visuals from Renaissance, which I think the internet is starting to get impatient about. We also got a remix to Break My Soul with Madonna. One of my colleagues from work named Taylor Crumpton who's the arts and culture editor at D Magazine, actually wrote a really awesome love letter to Renaissance for Essence online. It's called Renaissance is a Love Letter to the Black Queer Roots of Dance Music. She says her seventh studio album is not only a place for Beyonce to breathe new life into the musical stylings of Donna Summer and Diana Ross, but an altar call to those who have forgotten who made house and disco music, Black, queer, and trans people. She says, for Beyonce, this album is the liberation of self. Similar to Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, Beyonce rejects the notion of saviorhood while also grappling with being world's greatest living entertainer. Her final paragraph reads, for Black LGBTQ people, worship looks different. God can be found in the pews of the pulpit or at a ball. Spirit can pulsate through your body with vigor in the halls of a nightclub or when the organ opens up for the first note on Easter Sunday. The act of adorning oneself in the finest silks and perfumes is is Sunday's best and winning outfit for a category. Most importantly, the ritual act of one's body being taken over by something greater is synonymous with all African practices of praise. Beyonce knows that for many, the dance floor and the church are one and the same. And on Renaissance, she invites us all to fellowship and welcome. I mean, really just perfectly put, if you haven't listened to the album yet, you're truly missing out. I only wish that it had come out earlier in the summer so I could have been vibing to it at the pool all summer long. I don't know if you can hear the commotion that's going on in the background right now, but (laughs) my 
houses being like power washed and it's really loud. So I picked a really bad time to do this, but it's the only time that I had. So in other news, Jeanette McCurdy of iCarly Stardom released her highly anticipated memoir called I'm Glad My Mom Died. I am about three-fourths of the way of finishing it. I have about 100 pages left, and it's really like both heartbreaking and insightful and funny, and it's really – it's so smart. Um, It's really well-written. You really can like visualize yourself as her in a way, at least for me, because I relate to a lot of the subjects within this book. I highly recommend everybody read it. Um, It's – a really important look at child stardom and the exploitation of children that I think kind of runs rampant in this country. We're currently kind of in a new phase of this, which is like vlogger families and like Instagram children. And it's going to be really telling as these young people grow up to see how their online celebrity affects them in adulthood. So if you don't know who Jeanette McCurdy is, she was on a really popular Nickelodeon show called iCarly that was kind of in the height of the Teen Nick era. It was Miranda Cosgrove's follow-up to Drake and Josh, which she was on with Josh Peck and Drake Bell, which of course was kind of a spinoff of All That and The Amanda Show. Anyway, Jeanette played... Carly, aka Miranda Cosgrove's best friend, Sam Puckett, who was like a rough and tumble tomboy. She was really sassy. She was kind of violent. And most notably, she was like obsessed with food and eating. Jeanette McCurdy is now 30. And her memoir, I'm Glad My Mom Died, uses dark humor to explore the traumas of early fame in an industry she never wanted to join. That quotes from USA Today. Her mother, Debbie, died in 2013, and this book is basically all about how her mother really controlled and ruined her life, kind of a la Britney Spears. The difference is, I think, Britney Britney Spears has a true love and passion for music and performing, whereas Jeanette McCurdy really only became a performer because her mother forced her to. She talks a lot in the book about how her childhood home was like a hoarder house. It was disgusting. Like none of them slept in beds. They all slept on like tumbling mats on the floor that like folded up. Her mother would force her to take showers with her. And then she also would sometimes make her shower with her 16-year-old brother. Her mom is really cruel, but also really like hysterical she seems to like break out in crying and sobs and fits very often to the point where she really frightens her children into just kind of tiptoeing around her and walking on eggshells and then her dad is basically just like emotionally absent he's physically there but he doesn't really pay any attention to her and her parents fight a lot Jeanette is the youngest of four, and all three of her older siblings are boys. So that's kind of why her mom projects all of these things onto her. It's like she's both the golden child and the scapegoat. And it's very confusing for Jeanette, who's always trying to please her mom, always trying to solve her mom's problems so that she doesn't explode. She's just so frightened of her. Um, 
And then essentially Debbie forces Jeanette into acting and it takes over her whole life. She's not allowed to go to school. She doesn't really have friends. The first friend that she ever mentions is Miranda Cosgrove from iCarly. She also was basically forced into an eating disorder by her mother in order to be smaller, book more jobs longer, and like delay her period and developmental process. So as somebody who grew up watching these shows and like knowing who she was, it was really jarring to find all these things out. And honestly, I'm not spoiling anything for you here. Really like the visuals and imagery she provides really like brings this to light. And she gives you a lot of her inner monologue and what she was thinking and feeling during these situations that I think provides a lot more context to what I'm saying now. But something that is sadly not uncommon in our culture is the idea of these typically mothers, but also fathers, pushing their children into becoming child performers and kind of looking the other way when certain things were clearly unhealthy and not really providing the protection or emotional support that their children needed during these times, basically to fulfill their own selfish desires or aspirations. So I want to talk about some people that kind of fit within this box of child stars that were basically exploited. Now, I'm not talking about the Demi Lovatos and the Selena Gomez's of the world or like the Hillary Duffs who clearly like have always had a passion and like wanted to ascend to stardom. Demi Lovato is kind of her own, and I'm saying her now, um, if you didn't know, newsflash, she's back to she, her. Demi Lovato is in her own category where she like wanted the fame, but still couldn't handle it. I suppose that's not unique to her, but I think she's kind of like the poster child for that sector of child stars. Oh, Miley Cyrus might be another good representation of the Demi Lovatos of the world. But then we have the people like Britney Spears, of course, and Jodie Sweetin that have these really dark things happening beneath the surface, which again, (laughs) a lot of these stories have very like dark undercurrents. However, I think that specifically the ones where the parents are kind of forcing the child to perform like a dancing monkey and like, you know, almost like a slave, like in a way it's human trafficking. And I just really think that that is something deeply disturbing when a parent is willing to do that to their child. Another former child star who was clearly exploited and talked about this in a later memoir is Shirley Temple. Her mother Gertrude actually put her in the industry when she was a toddler and her first credited role was in a movie called War Babies in 1932 at three years old. And it was a sexually suggestive short where children impersonated adults Shirley described it as a cynical exploitation of our childish innocence in her memoir. Also, she claims that if any of the children acted out in any way, which by the way, they're literal toddlers, they were locked in a windowless sound booth and forced to sit on a block of ice. With a similar story to Jeanette McCurdy, Ariel Winter, who was Alex on Modern Family, She's recently opened up about how acting was never her choice. It was her mother, Crystals, who had, of course, wanted to be an actor herself. In 2017, she spoke to The Hollywood Reporter about it. 
she was forced to start acting at four years old and then she landed the role of Alex at 11 and at 15 she emancipated herself from her mother. So some other things she alleges is that she wasn't allowed to make friends with girls because females were seen as competition. Her food was super restricted from the time she began acting at four years old and her education was neglected. Her father, much like Jeanette McCurry's, was basically absent. So because she went through puberty on camera, she also was subjected to a lot of online hate from people calling her fat or calling her slutty because she had big boobs. And again, like for somebody who never wanted to get into this sort of public role, I think that's particularly cruel, I think, to subject somebody to that who doesn't want it. Back in 2017, she decided to go to college at UCLA. So a rare man on this list is Macaulay Culkin. He was first managed by his father, Kit, during his childhood career. And he said that his dad was really controlling and he was on a very busy filming schedule and would make him stay up every night to study the lines for the next day. When he hosted SNL at 11 years old, his dad forced him to do it without cue cards, which is insane. (laughs) You literally only get a week to rehearse that show. He was really physically abusive. He was also abusive to his mother and siblings. After his parents separated in 15, he basically never talked to his dad again. Another one is Aaron Carter, who I actually feel really bad for. He's kind of still in a bad way and he's got lots of face tattoos. And um, I think he's addicted to some sort of substance. But he's claimed that when he was a teen pop star, his family spent $500 million of his on 15 houses and 30 cars. And he claims that when they sold the houses, he didn't get any of the profit. He now is 70% deaf in one ear because his dad shot a 44 Magnum right next to him to force him into signing a check for about $250,000. Also, fun facts, Aaron Carter and I have the same birthday. Okay, and of course we have to talk about Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore's mom, Jade, got her started acting when she was less than a year old in a dog commercial. And then she became globally famous after E.T. when she was seven and her mom managed her career and basically had her partying at like a really young age. She was taken to Studio 54 where she was introduced to and encouraged to dance with other male celebrities. And there at Studio 54, she was first introduced to drugs. And by the age of 12, she had already gone to rehab. Mara Wilson, a.k.a. Matilda, Um, has also opened up about how she was really sexualized by the media and members of the public after Matilda. Um, That's basically why she stopped acting. And I guess she returned to it. But now she like purposefully stays in like small films. It's like what she knows, basically. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Candace Cameron Beer. Let's talk about her. I had no idea until like last week, but I found out that Kirk Cameron is her brother. I just found that out. (laughs) I don't know if I'm behind or if people just like don't know that. But anyway, Candace Cameron, now Candace Cameron Bure, was of course DJ Tanner on Full House and Fuller House. And she's just kind of like a little bit wacky. 
She's highly, highly religious, very, very white ring, white right wing. She shares like a lot of posts. Like they're very reminiscent of the Christian girls from high school who were like kind of mean, but just posted about God all the time. But they really posted about God to like throw shade. That's basically Candace Cameron in a nutshell. She's like argued for a lot of very bigoted beliefs, including that like businesses should be able to refuse services to gay people. I mean, she is married to some hockey guy that I've never heard of. And (laughs) I guess she likes to assert that men should be the leader of the household and women should be submissive and all that good stuff. But if you look up her mom, um, her name's Barbara Cameron, and she writes books like about Amish people. But I don't know if she's Amish. (laughs) I don't know. I'm really confused by it all. So her brother, of course, is Kurt Cameron, who was on the hit ABC sitcom Growing Pains. He's also an evangelical Christian and has been really vocal about the fact that he doesn't care if people like him less because he is super conservative. He loves Trump, et cetera, et cetera. He also appears on TBN's Takeaways with Kurt Cameron, where he has guests on to talk about evangelical things. You know, I actually, I find Christian content creators to be really fascinating. Like just a quick rant here. Like, to be honest, the Bible says like five things total. And the fact that people can really make so much content off of the Bible is truly impressive to me because the Bible is pretty much just a bunch of stories saying like, be a good person, (laughs) put others before yourself, have faith and hope and trust and don't be a bitter, problematic fuckface. I mean, that's basically what the Bible tells us. So like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm still in the process of finishing this book by Jeanette McCurdy. And um, when I do finish it, I think I'm going to do some kind of Instagram series on it because I'm like really obsessed with it. And I feel like everybody needs to read it, not just because of the tea, which there is tea, of course. But I mean, it's just a really well-told story of a victim of child exploitation. And honestly, it's like, it's a really interesting look at our culture and how much we value our entertainment industry. And I mean, obviously I have a whole podcast about it, but it really is crazy the like power that people are willing to give people in that industry. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Obviously, we are now officially releasing the Spin Cycle podcast on Fridays instead of Wednesdays. I think this will just be better now that um, we're transitioning kind of out of the summer months and getting back into a normal routine. So you can expect to see new episodes every Friday. And I am hoping to start dropping some random mini episodes, but I've got to figure out what that schedule looks like. But stay tuned for more and um, let me know more. Let me know what you want to see more of, um, or I guess hear more of. And yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Bye.